Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, we're in the series called Sifted, and I want to clear up a couple things on that as we go through this. But Luke 22 and verse 31, we'll put it on the screen for you. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. 22 in verse 31, and this is Jesus talking to Peter. His name is Simon, but he says, Simon, Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, or be aware of this. You need to be aware of this. Um, some people are not aware of this. Some people think this is just <clears throat> circumstantial things that happen to them, or they think whatever. I don't know what they think, but it's the weirdest thing to me ever to come across a Christian who believes in God but doesn't believe there's a devil. I don't, I don't understand that theology. Well, first of all, it's not theology. It's false. But there is a God, and there is a devil, and every good and perfect gift comes from above. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's a simple theology. If you can just get that right, the Bible will make a lot more sense to you. But he said, Simon, Simon, behold, though, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. We, you can go listen to the first message. I don't have time to get in that this morning, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to this as why he said what he said. But he said, but I have prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And that when you once have you have turned again, I want you to strengthen your brothers. Which tells me that if Peter, the apostle of the church in a sense. I know Paul later on. But Peter's the one that really kick-started the first message of the church. If the devil is going to try to sift him, how do you... I, I, I mean, he probably will attempt to come after you. Amen. I'm just being honest. So what do we do in the process? Let me clear up a couple of things. First of all. This sifting is not necessarily uh, linked to things like tragedy, sickness, disease, etc., etc. He might try it, but the reality is, when I'm talking about from a sifting, it comes in other ways and formats. It's a, it's a, it's a thing to try, to try your faith. It puts pressure on your faith. And if a tragedy comes your way, the Lord didn't send the tragedy. God's not sending that stuff. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Simple theology. Every good and perfect gift comes from above and Father of lights. The reality is, there is an evil presence that's trying to do harm. You can't even turn on the news. Five minutes, I challenge you. If we're going to pray five minutes every day at least, then uh, you ought to equate at least however much news you watch with your prayer life. So if you're going to watch 30 minutes of news, then you better pray 30 minutes. Get that junk off of you because all they talk about is the end of the world. Next week, it's the end of the world, you know. It's some crazy thing is going to happen. But anyway, so he says, I, I pray this because uh, he, he's trying to sift you. So today I want to talk about this, about the area of your relationships, primarily family, but any relationship, that Satan has, he really wants to try to sift, he wants to break down and destroy your family and your relationships that are godly. And if you think that's not true, all I would ask for you to do is rewind your life for two years and ask yourself how many fights... And weird stuff have you gotten into with people? Whether it be social media, on the job, around you, own family members, whatever. How many of those things have you encountered? And if you say none, then come see me after church. I will give you a list of people to contact and enjoy that conversation. I promise you, if you've not had any disagreements with anybody in two years, you're either living in a, under a rock somewhere... Oh, you got no friends. I don't know which one it is, but you need to get on social media, up your friends list, because you need some tension in your life a little bit. I mean, just for, since we all, everybody else has to deal with it, you need it as well. But today I want to talk about the sifting of your family. So, the reality is this, um, there of sifting, if you don't understand the relational pr- 
priorities. I learned this week from a Jewish friend. It's the halaha. I think that's how I said it. The kalaha. I think I can't. It's something like the halaha. The kalaha. I can't get the right. You know, it sounds gross when you do it, but that's how you say it. Um, it means priority. And so the Bible has a list of commandments, but then there are these priorities that are different. And how many know that there may be ten commandments, but there are not in one through ten of the most important. However, the first one is the most important. It's of the priority. That one is the most important. You get that one right, the rest of them will work out for you. But you have to prioritize your relationships. You just have to. If you don't, you, you know, you're going to be like this the whole time. In all ministries, businesses, relationships, families, everybody, it's built on relationships. A church is built on relationships. A business is built on relationships. It's not built on the sale. If it's built on the sale, you may not get another one. Because that's what people do just to get a sale. They just they cutthroat, right? They don't care just as long as they make the deal. That's all they care about. If you're in it for the relationship, you know you want that business for life. Every good salesman knows you, you don't mess up your customer base. You, you have good respect for them, have good relationships. They're going to be there for life. If you cut them off the first time you make a deal and you're mean to them, then it's over. But anyway, um, you've got to prioritize your relationships, okay? And um, I want to say this before I go any further, that you're never going to have all the time that you really want in life. If you had not found that out yet, you'll find it out. And you have to establish priorities to let them dictate your actions, okay? So here's the first one, number one, number one relationship, it's already in the Bible, number one, is God. That's a given, right? All Christians say, what's the most important relationship in your life, God? Do you ever go to church? Well, at Christmas, he ain't number one then. Let's just call it like it is, can we? Come on, is it alright this morning, can we do it? If, if, if I never open my Bible, don't you dare tell me God's most important. If this right here is nothing more than a coffee decor, God is not first. He's a conversation. <laughs> that's what he is. And that's the Lord answering right there with rain, saying, yes, that's, his, that's right. Amen. And sometimes in life, you, in order to make God first, you've got to do whatever you've got to do to have reminders for you to make sure that you remember to keep God first. Whatever it takes. Reminders that you might need. Just saying, every now and then, I don't even know where that came from. I just... Some people put fridges, uh, verses on their fridge. Some people do stuff like, you know, putting them in their car. Other people, you know, that, gee, it's pretty, sim- God, like, just anyway. So that, so that when problems come, something in the natural that has the ability to tear down your family, if God is first, then uh, you're going to have the ability to endure. This is what Joshua said. Listen to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. I want to do it from the New King James, okay? Uh, normally I do other verses, but this one, because of the way it's structured, it makes more sense. So listen to this. You've probably heard it in this format before. So Joshua is telling all the people of Israel. Remember, they have already crossed over the Red Sea. Moses is now like, Joshua's in, it's kind of passed on the mantle. These people have seen miracles after miracles after miracles. And Joshua says to them, listen, here's what you need to do. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Will it be the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell? So now they're, they, they've seen the miracles of the Red Sea. Now they're crossing over this Jordan. And now they're seeing, okay, now these guys worship stuff over here. Life seems to be easier for them. This group over here, they worship those guys. Life seems to be easier for them. 
They don't have as many rules over there, it seems like, man. So Joshua, obviously this was a tension, so Joshua says, you need to decide which one you're going to serve. Will it be those gods, or will it be your, our God? But Joshua says this, watch, he says, first he says, but as for me, he makes it personal first. Now I want to say this to you. You cannot have a relationship with God built, built on your family's relationship with God. If it's not personal, it's not going to be eternal. You understand what I'm saying? If it's not a personal relationship with God, you, it'll go back and forth. If you're building your life on what your family did, it's not going to happen. You have to have a personal. He said, as for me, first, I'm going to serve God. As for me. And then he says, and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he says, me first. Me first. And <clears throat> it's not dependent on what others do or, or what my family even does. It's me first. But my family, we're going to serve God. Now, here's the question this morning. Is your faith strong enough that if you were to go through a sifting, that they were to tell you, you cannot go back to church because it's considered a hate group now? Would you continue to worship? Or would you fall just like the majority of the people in this nation may do because they have no faith whatsoever? It is simply a conversation about God. I mean, we have never had to walk through a fiery furnace. You have never had to deal with a lion's den. But you might. And the question would be, is your faith built on something personal or what someone else did, and are you willing to pay the price what's necessary? Joshua says, me first. As for me, I'm going to serve God, and my family's coming with me. You know, my family, it's the basics of following God, but my family, my kids never drag me to church. It's the other way around. Well, really, it's not always like that. Sometimes, I mean, you know, most of the time, my middle one's up. She loves being here. It's, it's, it's the funniest thing. She just, she, she's a social little butterfly thing. She loves, you know, just everything. But Sunday morning, now, getting her up for school, a whole different ballgame. Hey, you know, forget that. But for church, she's, she's ready to go. But my kids, my family never says, hey, Dad, uh, we going today? Now, if, I mean, you know, if I was sick, I mean, don't come sick, please. Stay home. We don't, you know. <laughs> We're praying for healing, but still, use some wisdom there. You know what I mean? You ain't feeling good? Stay home. <clears throat> I mean, we even put signs up on the kids' building for a reason. Does your kid have green discharge out of his nose? A fever? Throwing up? Keep him at home? People come and no, that's just allergies. Man, that ain't allergies. I have allergies. That ain't allergies. That's such a green as can be. It looked like a, like a frog coming out of his nose. That child needs to go home. No, no, no. We're praying. You can pray at home with him. Don't bring him here. Right? Yeah, right. I know what you're thinking, yeah. But my kids don't drag me to church. My kids don't drag me to my job. My kids don't drag me on a date with my wife. My, kid, I don't, my kids ain't doing it. I'm the one doing it. And I ain't doing it because I'm a pastor. I have to tell my kids every now and then, we don't go to church because we're a pastor. I go to church to come and see the Lord. I come to visit with God. I come to worship this morning like everybody else does. I don't come in here to listen to them sing. They're great and I enjoy them and I love them. They're all wonderful. But I didn't come here to watch them. I didn't come to listen to them. I didn't come here to listen to me. I came to have a visit with God. That's what I came to do. And if you're at home, this is not a pick at you because you, I ain't doing that. If you're at home watching right now, you should be visiting with God right now in your house. The reality is we come to visit God. And the basics of following God should be, number one, this. If this isn't a priority, nothing else I say today is even going to matter. Number one is his word. And let me just say this. If 
the basics of following God aren't considered important. Well, what is that, Pastor Jody? Well, you just pick any of the basic, simple doctrines of the Bible. Any of them you want to pick. Well, which one? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Well, how do I do that? Well, first you're going to have to figure out who God is. How are you going to know him? Well, I pray a lot. Well, yeah, I've heard people pray before. And sometimes if you pray and you don't know this, you get some weird prayers. You need this and then you can pray. I've heard people say stuff a lot. I've been in the room with people. Somebody's sick and you're trying to pray for them. And the one person saying, well, God, if it's your will, you know, maybe you'll heal them. I'm like, well, that's really good for you because you're feeling good right now. You're fine. Nothing's wrong with you. But the person who's sick doesn't want that prayer. I don't want that prayer. If you come to my, if I'm ever in the hospital, you're saying this, and I am unconscious, I'm out of commission. Or I told Haley this, I've got directives in my will. Listen, if, if I get run over by a bus or something like that, and I am not mobile or whatever like that, look, let me go and be with Jesus. But don't kick me off the, you know, if I there's a chance, don't just kick me out. You know what I'm saying? This, you know, I got life insurance. You got to watch, you know what I'm saying? You got to watch some of that stuff. She might be wearing options. Well, you know, five more years with them. But, you know, if I cash in now, I'll see them, you know, in 20. It might be worth it. You know, I don't know. She wouldn't do that. She wasn't feeling good. Bless her. She's at home. So I'm cutting up with her. She's fine. I mean, she'll be all right. It's not COVID. Only. She just wouldn't feel good. But anyway. So um, what was I saying? God, what was I saying? Oh, it's going to be one of them mornings. I can tell. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. So, but if you ever get, am I? And I'm in there, and and you see, like the doc saying, "Yeah, no, I think he's going to be okay." And somebody from anywhere comes and says they're a Christian and says, "Well, can I pray for him?" And they start that mumbo jumbo stuff, like, "Well, God, if it's your will, then kick them out of the room, throw the ice chips at them, like put that charge thing on, get them out of my room. I don't want them praying for me because they don't know what the Bible says. It's as clear as can be what's His will. It doesn't mean that I always get everything I want, but I mean." We either believe it or we don't, right? So there's that. Um, generosity. That's a pretty simple thing. But if in God we trust is on our money, and we don't trust him enough to be generous with him at all, then he's probably not first. I mean, I'm just being real this morning. If you're watching online, you, know, you might have clicked off on me right there. I don't know, but I love all of y'all, but I'm just being real. He's probably not first. I mean, and there are other things I could give you. I don't have time. But if the simplicity of serving the Lord doesn't come from his word, then he's probably not first in your life. And I don't care. Listen, I'm going to be a very straight up with you. I've counseled just about every different group of people you can think of. And it don't matter what background you are. If this right here isn't first, he's probably not first in your life. I don't know how you can have a relationship with God without his word. So God's got to be first first and why because when you go through a sifting and a trial if your theology isn't correct you don't know if it's god or the devil you're gonna get you're gonna get whipped you gotta know what you're dealing with all right number two let me move on so god's gotta be first we'll go further can't go any further than this if if that's not right today fix it how do you fix it i surrender i surrender lord help me see Getting his word, I surrender, get in a small group, do whatever you got to do, but he's got to be first. Number two, most important relationship in your life. Why? Because if you go through sifting, you better have these right. God's first. If you're married, it's going to be your spouse. If you're not married, I'll get to you in a second. Just hang tight. But if you are married, it better be your spouse. So, well, I don't like my spouse. Well, that's a problem. You might need to <laughs> fix that. I'll be talking to you later, maybe. 
But in the beginning, God created the earth. Earth without form, void, and all the different things you read. When he created Adam, he created Adam, and then he created Eve. He did not create their children. Now, American Christians, listen to me. I love my children, and they're as cute as they can be. You know, that little six-year-old, she thinks she's the karate kid. I mean, she gets in the kitchen, and she's, I can't even move like she moves. She's like, she's like, Dad, watch this. I mean, she's doing crazy stuff. The other day she comes in, they watch The Greatest Showman, you know, that musical. She comes from the other side of the hallway. Dad, watch this. Move over a little bit. Okay. Why? Running down the hall and jumps on her knees. Sides goes, this is the greatest show. You know, like, like, oh my gosh. She takes after her mom 100%. But they're cute as can be. But they know if it comes down between, they better not. Pit themselves between me and their mother because it's not just an automatic no it's a no and a revoke of something else man i'll kill the internet i'll hide the eye i'll do whatever they love i'm any because why i need them to understand that their mother is the most important relationship on this earth it's she's first with me nobody else gets that spot now you may or may not agree with that I can show you from the Bible why. I don't have enough time to give you all of those scriptures. But I'll give you one. You can go and read in Ephesians this. You can read in Colossians different ways. But in Ephesians particularly. It says that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loves the church. Wives are to give give respect to their husbands as if they were the Lord. Now, you may not agree with some of those concepts. A lot of times they're taken out of bounds, I understand that. But if Jesus is going to love his church, he lays down his life for the church. It's a very sacrificial relationship. If you're looking for your spouse to give back more than you're giving, you got it misunderstood. It is a sacrificial relationship. You should always give more than they do. doesn't mean you're in a competition, it just means... If you go through to the refrigerator, you know, my wife loves creamer for the coffee, you know, and you see that there's just this much in there. Do you drink it with your coffee because it's early in the morning and be a selfish little punk? Or do you defer to your spouse? Well, that's not a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. Especially if they love their coffee. See, my wife won't drink coffee without the creamer. Me, I don't care. I can handle it. If I, I'll do it. It's not a big deal to me. I can handle it. I don't like it as much, but I, I can do it. It's a sacrifice, but your spouse has to be sacred. In a time of sifting, it's God first and then spouse. And I'll get to your kids in a second, but if your kids are second place, which many American Christian kids are, let's just be honest. They get whatever they want, go wherever they want to go. They lead the family. I don't like this anymore. I'm going over here. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I got to be a part of that. I'll play basketball for two weeks. I don't like it, so I'm quitting. And so these parents just go with it. Oh, oh, my baby got offended by the coach. And so I got to tell you, know, it's just not fair because that coach. I'll get the kids in a moment, back to the spouse thing. But you understand why you better be a team. And if you're a single parent, listen, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, that means if you're a single parent and you got kids, we'll talk about kids now next. But you may have an ex-spouse. You're in relationship with them only primarily because of the kids. But that's it. If you have no kids with them, they're dead to you. 
I don't mean it as if you can't pray for them, but biblically speaking, move on. It's over. It's gone. If you got kids, you got to deal with some stuff there. But it shouldn't be a phone call. Hey, well, I want to talk to you about my my husband, my wife, how they're acting right now. You, 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 you better not do that. You're heading down the wrong road. Anyway, everybody understand, right? Most important, God first, spouse second. Third, it's got to be your kids. So where does a job in the church come in? We'll get it in a moment. But God created the family first. It's God. He created Adam, Eve, then said multiply. Then there's their kids. And so kids have to be in third place. And you might think, well, how is that supposed to work? So let me give you this. Because kids need a good foundation. And they really do. Kids need a really good foundation in their life. And I don't know about you. I'm not sure what kind of foundation you're giving your kids or what you're going to do for them. Oh, I didn't know that one. I kind of wasn't expecting that either. I mean, that's a good, that's good too. But um, sorry, it's a little jab this, this week, I guess, a little bit. That's a great foundation. But let me just ask you a question. Is this more important, an education, a college? It's fantastic. Is this more important than what they're getting from you right now? It's not. I have friends who never went to college. They're multi-millionaires. College is important. I'm not, don't get me wrong. But if you think this is going to direct the steps of your children's life, wrong. If they get a hold of your kids and you don't have anything built in their lives, steady and secure, even they will warp your kids. As much as I love the dogs, they, look, they will mess your kids up. Because it's humanistic and philosophy and all these crazy thoughts that people think they're so educated with. Now, they're idiots. They're idiots, and you're paying $100,000 to go listen to idiots. I'm not, look, I love, my, I love my team, but let's just be honest. So your kids have to have a good foundation. Where are they getting that from? They've got to get it from you. So 1 Timothy 3, 4 says this, and I understand if you read your Bible, you'll know this is referring to bishops or ministers or people in leadership in the church. I understand that, but let me just ask you a question. When you go down the line, he gets all the way down to deacons and people who serve in the church. Uh, They don't have to be in full-time working at a church. This is for everybody. It is stricter for pastors and leaders, yes, but on down the line, at some point, we all should be some form of Christian leader. In 1 Timothy 3, 4, he says this, a, a pastor or a person, a bishop, a deacon, go all the way, deaconess, all the way down. They must be one who manages their own household well, keeping their children under control with all dignity. Now, let's just talk about it for a moment. Have your kids ever acted crazy? Don't lie, you're in church. I swear, if you say, well, no, I've never had a problem, I want to kick you right now. I just do. No, my kid was perfect. Like, I just, I just don't see what your issue is. Well, I'll tell you what that is. Uh, let me just give you one for a day, and just tell me what you think. It's just kids, I love them, but kids, I grew up the same way. Kids, kids will push the boundaries. They're going to push everything. Why? Because they're born into sin just like you was. And we forget as we get older, we think, well, I just can't believe they act that way. Well, where do you think they got them genes from? <laughs> well, they didn't get them from me. Got them from their mom or got them from their daddy or whatever. No, 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 no. You was born into sin just like they were. And kids will push the buttons. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to, I'm not going to, I'm going to quit the team. It's up to us as parents to say, no. It's a word that's not used anymore. They're probably going to ban it from the dictionary. No. But I'm going to quit. Yeah, but you ain't been on but three weeks. Yeah, but I'm going to quit because I don't like it anymore. Well, I'm sorry, you made the commitment. See, if you let them quit every little thing that they want to do, if you let them quit, all they're going to do is learn to reject authority. 
and not respect any authority, and they're just going to keep quitting things and blame everybody in their life why nothing goes right for them. Oh, no, no, it's the coach's fault. He just won't play my kid. That's because your kid's no good. You think Kirby Smart sitting around on the Georgia sideline looking at the guys that didn't play and saying, you know, that guy's a great player. But, you know, I just didn't want to play him today. Going for a championship. How we just sit the big man out? Davis, yeah. I don't want to play him today. You think he does that? He plays the guy can play. I'm sorry. Your kid must not be that good. Just accept it. It's T-ball. It's Little League. It's fifth grade, whatever. It don't matter. Get over it. Oh, man, don't mess with my kids. I'm messing with your children. I'm messing with my kids. I'm messing with your kids. They want to quit stuff sometimes. You don't let them. Well, why didn't I get to play it? Because you've got to practice more. If you want that spot, you're going to learn to take it. Well, how do I take it? You've got to get better. Oh, I don't want to hurt their self-esteem. That is not hurting self-esteem. That is causing them to succeed, to work for something, to have a spirit of work within them, to drive and do something. But this whole idea with authority thing, man, it's an interesting word. So a lot of people think, and I've heard this said before, well, you know those preacher kids. And I always say back, well, you know those mechanic kids. What's the difference? Kids, kids. Here's what people love to do. They love to do it because they love to put your kids up here and so they don't have to look at their kids. You might want to look at your kids. Quit looking at other people's kids. Just saying. Just a thought. But kids do stuff, don't they? Come on, they do. And so what we're trying to do is give them foundation. Why? So they have respect for authority. It's not always, listen, I've had one, maybe two instances where my kid got a bad gig from a teacher. Maybe. I'm talking my oldest one, and she is now in the 10th grade. Maybe two. And I dealt with it by calling or having a meeting without her. I did it without her. Because I'm not going in there, well, she said, and I'm in front of them. That is not the way to handle it. I'm going to be respectful to the teacher. I'm going to talk to them. Hey, listen, this is what she's saying. Is this valid or not? Can we talk? But if you go in there always taking the side of your kid, and every teacher's the problem, they don't understand math, and it's always the teacher's fault. And they've been through six teachers over the course of six years, but they can't get math. It is not the teacher's fault. At some point, you might want to get on Khan Academy and let them watch some videos. I don't know. But you've got to do whatever you've got to do. Stop blaming the teacher. Because when they get into the role with another teacher that wants to give them something that they love, now they don't respect the teachers because you always come along and berate the authority in their life. Well, that coach, it's just that coach's fault. It's that teacher's fault. Then we get a job. Oh, it's just that employee. They don't like, uh, maybe it's not them. I never, I remember one time my grandfather, one time, took up for me at school. One time. And I would tell him all the time, man, these Tuesday after me, and they do all this. Stuff. He, one time he showed up to fix something, one time. You know why? Because he told me, stop blaming the teacher. It's not their fault. You sit your tail down. He, he would be a little more direct about it. You sit your tail down. You better not open your mouth in that class. Do you understand me? You better come home, and there better be some A's on that report card. I was like, man, I'm not going to make it. He's going to kill me. He's literally, I'm going to die before I ever get my license. What did it do? It may be, I may not agree, because you're not always going to get the, you're not always going to get treated fairly in everything. But they're the teacher. He's the coach. Whatever. Deal with it. But if our kids don't learn this, here's what's going to happen. They're going to turn up and grow up, and they're going to rebel against anything that is authority in their lives. And that's why he says, 
Give them something they can understand, some structure. Listen to what God said about Abraham. We always talk about David. David being this great worship guy and this great person, a great King David. He's a woo, playing his flute and doing all this stuff. He dancing around everywhere, you know, half-dressed or whatever. I don't know. Interesting guy. But he's a terrible father. David just was not a good dad. He really wasn't. Listen to what the Lord said about Abraham, though, in Genesis. Genesis 18, 19. He says, this is talking about Abraham. For I have chosen him, Abraham, <laughs> because, and the word is so that, but it actually reads, because I know that he will command his children and his household after me to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Now, why did God choose Abraham? Oh, he's the father of faith. Yeah, but interesting. Why did he choose him? Because I know that he will command his children and his household to follow my way. There is something called an Abraham, an Isaac, and a Jacob generation. And it starts in our homes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My goal right now, my, my goal, my pathway, my plan is to pass down my heritage of faith. I can't give my kids my faith. They got to build their own. But to pass down why we do what we do into them. So that when I see my grandchildren, I see the same faith. It seems like that's somewhere in the Bible in Timothy, isn't it? Something like that. Mm, Paul telling Timothy, hey, listen, I pray that the same faith that was in your mama and your grandmama might be in you also. It's generational. But sometimes we're more concerned about what do people see us driving around and what do we have on our car, what do we have in our house, what are our kids doing and what kind of sport are they in or what kind of you know thing are they doing than we are about their faith. And what's more important is, I love the fact, I mean, maybe my kids go to UGI, I don't know where they're going to go. I don't, you know, I bleed a little bulldog, I love, that's my team, but I got to be honest, if they get a scholarship, whatever color that team is, I'm going to, I'm going to change the flags, I promise you that. They pay for some school, listen, I'll be whatever, maybe except that state next door, but, you know, we'll have to cross that bridge, don't say never, never say never. But it's amazing how we can work on our jobs, we can work on all these are things, but never work in our family to give them the faith that we have. God's first, spouse is second, children third. You say, all right, well then what about me? I'm, I'm single and I'm not, I'm not married. What about me? Okay, this is where yours comes in. Every other relational friendship hits next. And it's in your church. It blows me away how much faith people put in other organizations than they do the body of Christ. When we are told in the scriptures that we are to make certain judgment calls on disagreements that happen in relationships. But people just don't value that anymore. Until there's a crisis, then they value it. But, you know, you're trying to put the puzzles back together, and it's really hard to do when it's been through a blender. It's not like taking it out of a box and assembling things, but if you've been through a blender, it's a little bit tougher to put puzzles together. But the church is. Listen to Matthew 16, 13. This is what Jesus said. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, can I just point out something to you? Have you ever read anywhere in your Bible where Jesus said, I'm building Walmart? I'm going to build your government. Now, some people think he is. 
Don't like that, do we? Some people think he is. Some people think Jesus is going to be in the White House. He ain't going to be in the White House. I hate to tell you this. He's ruling the world. He's not ruling the Mary. He's ruling the world. And you think he don't look down on us and is concerned about some things? Yeah. But if you think for one minute that he approves of what's going on in this nation, and if you think for one minute he's just going to be okay with some stuff and let it go, he has never let it go with any other nation. You better make sure your church is on your priority list. You understand what I'm saying? Because in the end, when it comes down to some stuff, this is where it's really going to rubber hits the road. So <clears throat> the gates of Hades will not overpower his church, but it might overpower the government. I know. We don't like that one. I can tell. It, Hades can overpower a lot of stuff. There's no guarantees about any other organization. Your job, your career, your anything else in this world, it could fall at any moment. But if you want to bet against something, I would not bet against his church. Because it's the one thing Jesus said I'm building, and the gates won't prevail, and it's been working 2,000 years, and it's still going. It may change, the flavors change, the ideas change. And look, I'm not saying it won't change in the next three to five years. I think it probably will in how we know church because we've been doing it so long the same way. But regardless, church ain't going anywhere until Jesus comes. Church is an important thing. So why is it so important? Listen to this in Ephesians 4 real quick. Verse 11, it says, And to the church he gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why would he do this for his church? To equip the saints for the work of service, to the build up, building up of the body of Christ. Until we all, watch this, attain unto the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a mature man, the measure of stature that belongs to Christ. In the church, he says, I'm going to give you men and women who will help equip you and strengthen you and build you up so that you can come in unity of the faith. Relationships. Relationships. If you value a talk show host more than you do the relationships in your church, your priorities are wrong. If you can quote more, I don't know if you still on from Dr. Phil than you can from Jesus, you got your priorities wrong. If Oprah has got more prominence in your life than Jesus does, priorities are wrong. Humanistic thinking is not going to change your life. It's the power of the gospel. And where did Jesus invest all of his authority and power in his church? And the church isn't going to go anywhere. So I've made the choice. I've told my kids, listen, no. You'll have a circle of friends in the body of Christ. Why listen to the world tell you this is what you should do? The world says, well, if they was my wife, I'll tell you what I would do. Yeah, and, and it ain't working. Well, I'll tell you what, you know what you should do, girl? Listen, if that was my man, I'll tell you what I'd do. And she ain't got no man. Why are you listening to her? Somebody's going to wreck your life and all because of why? You value the wrong voice. The church, you need to have people that believe the same thing that you believe. It's the church. Why? In Jeremiah 3.15, the Lord says this. He said, listen, I love my church so much, I'm going to give you shepherds after my own heart. Is the church filled with problems at times? Yes. Have there been scandals in the body of Christ? Yeah. Will there be in the future? Yeah. That does not take away from the fact that the Lord loves his church and wants to bless his church just because other people do something wrong. He says, I'm going to give you shepherds after my own heart who will do what? Feed you on knowledge and understanding. Going back to what? To his word. 
What does the church do? The church always comes back and says, what's the most important thing? It's the Lord God Almighty. What's most important? It's God. So wouldn't it make sense he's going to give you people that keep you back on what? God's Word. Yeah, but I don't like what God's Word says. Sometimes I don't either. I'll be honest with you. There's some things I feel like, ah, oh man, that's going to be painful. But we either believe it or we don't. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is this. It's the most important relationship in your life. The last one is, is your job. It's where you work. It's somewhat of a mission field. If you think of it that way, you might think of it differently. Because you could get sifted and be on a job that you don't like and wonder why won't God let you get another one. Maybe it's because the idea is wrong. You're looking for a bonus or a promotion. He's looking for a missionary on a mission field. Sometimes God sends you into places where you don't really want to go because he knows you have the capacity and the ability to reach people that may not get reached. If you look at it as like a mission field instead of like a place of just employment, a boss, a jerk, I have to work with Chatty Cathy, she's like always talking. Like, you know, whatever. Like, instead of, what if you ministered to her and be a blessing to her? What if God got her born again? What if you were able to reach her for Christ? A mission field. Work is a good thing. And God gives us this desire to work. And if you work hard enough, eventually, it will pay off. Eventually. It takes some time. I'm so sorry. I, I, I just couldn't help one more time just throwing it out there. Just, just for a moment. I just couldn't help it because it might be 40 years before I get to do it again. So, um, pray to God it's not. I'm having a little fun with you this morning. You know that, right? Come on. You're at home. I'm having a little fun with you. Snowmageddon might come. You're just going to be eating bread and like, you know, drinking milk and bread for a week. I don't know. But we're just having a little fun. The reality is this. If you work hard, you know, persevere, you, you can see some rewards for your work. And sometimes on our jobs, we forget that the Lord, what if he puts you in that place for a season and for a reason? So we'll, get, well, that's easy. If I showed you, you're a pastor. I could see how that works for you. Let me tell you what. I'm working with folks that aren't in our church. I decided I cannot just be in this little Christian bubble. I need to be able to extend my missions, if you will, in a sense, somewhere. So that's what I'm doing. you got to figure out what, what has God got you in your job for? Why are you there? But about all these five relationships, they all vary in degree of importance. We all get them out of order sometimes, do we not? Let's just be honest for the next one minute confession I come from a hard working environment that was put in within me if you I told my kids you know on Saturday there was no discussion with Rudy what are we doing if the grass was growing we're going to be mowing grass on a Saturday morning didn't matter if Bugs Bunny was on or not son at six years of age he made me ride a lawnmower which was kind of cool until I couldn't turn it and it got stuck and I jumped off of it and it started running over his fig bush anyway, <clears throat> well that's a whole different story for another time but grass is green we mowed grass if the grass was dormant if it was winter time we were sawing logs chopping firewood because we really weren't going to pay for the heating and air conditioning bill we're going to burn firewood that's what we're going to do so every Saturday I worked my tail off didn't want to I hated it <laughs> but now I'm grateful but if you come from an environment like that, here's what you got to watch out for, that your work doesn't elevate itself higher than it should be. They call them workaholics. You know what I mean? 
work gets the, the, the prominence. It gets way too up here on the list. And sometimes you have to remember, what does God's word say? Man ought to work six days a week, but the seventh is a day unto the Lord. So you've got to figure out how to work that Sabbath and make it right. We're not made to work seven days a week, 80 hours a week. Well, you don't understand my situation. Look, you can argue with me all day long. It ain't going to matter. I might even agree with you in, in my knowledge, but his word says no. So you got to deal with it. Sometimes we let our kids get the better of us, don't we? They get too up on the chart. We don't realize it, and then all of a sudden, we're letting them call the shots. You got to say, listen, I love you, baby. It's not because I, don't lo- I love you, but i got to make sure the priorities are right here. And right now, Mom, Dad, we, we've let, we let you kind of get a little too far up on the ladder. Mom and Dad's here. Now you're right here where you're supposed to be. Does that mean you don't love me? You don't love me? No, I do love you. I, I do love you. That's why, that's why you're in the right order of the relationship. Sometimes the church gets lost in the shuffle. Well, I don't... This is a statement from Christians. Well, you just don't know how busy I've been. I'm not talking about if you're watching online, great. If you're in-house, great. Don't matter. Working all, we're working all that stuff out. But if six months goes by and you don't click on or you don't attend any kind of worship gathering and you say, I'm just too busy, I hate it for you. I'm going to be real with you right now. You got stuff out of whack. Yeah, but you don't know my situation. And that's the favorite word of somebody who does not want to listen to what God said. Jesus said, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? You say you love me, but you don't do anything I tell you to. So we got to make sure these priorities are in order. God's first, spouse's next. Then it's our kids. Then it's your church. Because if you're not married, that friendship, that relationship in the church is so important. A small group, relational, they got to have them. And that's your job. Because let me tell you something. One day that job's going to be gone. You're either going to retire, you're going to move on, transition, whatever. It will not be there forever. And in the end, what will it profit a man if he's to gain the whole world or everything on his job and he loses his soul or that which is important? So this morning, I want to challenge this morning to get, get our relationships in order. Because you go through a sifting, we want to get it in order this morning, okay? So what kind of sifting could I expect? Well, I don't know. I just know you need your spouse beside your... So you go through you go through it together. Get stuff in order. Get stuff in order. I think the Lord might be saying to some of you this morning, man, you need to get stuff in order. Maybe you're watching online. You know your stuff's been out of order. You need to get some stuff in order. Just put it back in order. How do you do it? Just repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Explain it to the people around you love. I'm putting stuff back in order. Putting stuff back in order. Turn the email off on your phone if you have to. Don't answer the text message till an hour or two later. Yeah, but what will they think? Who cares? I'm busy with my kids right now. Whatever. Do whatever you got to do to get them in order. Okay? So what you bow, bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment. <clears throat> Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word, God, that's so, so important for us. Lord, we know that based on your word, I know that you've given us uh, these priorities in our life. <clears throat> We're called to put you first, God. So in Jesus' name, I pray today. If that is not right, in Jesus' name, I pray you help us get that right today. And I pray that there's anybody here in this room or they're watching online right now, that for somehow, some reason, maybe it's been the tension of the last couple of years, maybe it's been a job or whatever it is, it's just somehow you've not been you know, where you, you're supposed to be or maybe they're never, never accepted you as Lord. 
uh, today I pray that they will pray this prayer and accept you as their Savior. So with your eyes closed, no one's looking around just right now. Maybe you're at home watching online as well. I just want you to pray a prayer with me. The whole church is going to pray with you right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just repeat this after me. This is just a prayer of surrender to God and a prayer of salvation. So would you pray this with me now? Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. Lord, I give you my heart. I see today that you should be first. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask you to show me how, how you should be first in my life. And I start today by accepting you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, church. Right? Give him a hand, would you? So if you're watching online right now, or you're in the room right now, connect.cornerstonerome.com. You can go there, and you can find all the information you need. It'll help you get started walking with God. I want to help you in discipleship and help you see how to make a couple of steps toward walking with the Lord. And uh, give you some information, materials, anything you might need. We'd love to do that for you today. And so in Numbers chapter 6, before we go, we always like to speak this over your life. And uh, so if you mind standing to your feet this morning before I speak this over you, just declare it. Make this declaration, not just from your pastor, but man, this is over you and your family right now. And uh, this is something good to just remind your kids about, remind your family this, this scripture. And this is in number 6 and verse 24. I think we'll put it up there for you so you can see it as well. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you his peace. God bless you so much. Enjoy the snow slash sleet slash rain. Have a good day. We'll see you guys next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time. Oh,